Okay, if you have a Bible, let's go to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. It's in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mark was a uh, companion of Paul and Peter and some of the others, and he wrote about the accounts of Jesus. We're going to look at one of his accounts and one of the stories in Mark chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible, we've got them after the service right down here at the front. You can pick them up, or you can go back to the Next Steps room. They're free. We want to give it to you. Or if you're going uh, with a mobile device, if you've never had a, a Bible on your phone, go to corechurch.com. You can download one right there. And I read out of the New Living Translation, so if you're going mobile here, you want to be in the NLT so you can follow along with me. We are in week two of our series called Church Zombies. I think this could be possibly my favorite, all-time favorite sermon series title. I love this title. I'm having fun with this title. And this is a series, if you were here last week, you know that we're talking about the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit keeps us from becoming church zombies. And so today, we're going to be in Mark chapter 6. Now, let me give you a little background on this. Jesus has been preaching in a very remote area, and he has been preaching a long time. He's been preaching all day. And uh, they suddenly realize that uh, they're in this remote area, and how are they going to feed these people? So I want you to go to Matthew cha or Mark chapter 6, and we're going to start in verse 35, a very famous story in Scripture, the feeding of the 5,000. Late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said this, this is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. But Jesus said this, you feed them. With what? We've had, we'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. So Jesus says, well, how much bread do you have? Go and find out. And they came back and they said, well, we've got five loaves of bread and two fish. And then Jesus told the disciples, have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. And so they sat down in groups of 50 or 100. And Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish. And he looked up toward heaven and he blessed them. And then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share, and they all ate as much as they wanted, and afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. A total of 5,000 men and their families were fed from these loaves. So what, it, what this is really saying is a total of fifteen to 20,000 people were fed from those loaves. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the worship we have today, the opportunity we have to be here in your house. You're so good to us, and we ask that your Spirit would come and that you give us understanding of the Holy Spirit today. I want to ask you to, to pray for the people around you. If you know them, you can pray for them by name. If it's your spouse or somebody you love dearly, grab their hand and pray for them. If it's somebody you, you find attractive and you're single, and you might want to do that as well and say, that's what the pastor told me to do. But grab their hand, and let's pray together for one another, okay? Let's just do that. I mean, you, just, you don't have to grab somebody's hand, but let's just pray for one another right now. I think that God loves that when we pray for one another. And pray for me, too, as your pastor, that I'm going to be faithful to this text, and we would all hear from God today. If you're ready to hear from him in Jesus' name, just give me a big amen. Well, we are um, a cell phone-obsessed culture, are we not? I mean, can, can anybody here make it without their cell phone? I mean, it's just, you, you got to have your cell phone, don't you? Uh, okay, four of you. I, I, you're strange. You're, you're very odd. Because I, have, have you ever, have you ever lost your, your, 
Have you ever lost your phone before? Panic sets in, doesn't it? You're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> my day's shot. Because you, you can't seem to function. Like, you'd be honest, you'd rather lose a kid than you would your phone, right? I can always make one more of you. I can. I didn't like that one that much anyway. <laughs> I mean, you'd just much rather do that. Have you ever left home without your phone? Oh, that's miserable, isn't it? I mean, you, you will turn around. You could be on a plane to Houston, and you'd be like, hey, turn this bad boy around. I, got, I forgot my phone. And the pilot would be like, oh, well, gotcha. We've got a passenger, and uh, 5B has forgotten his phone. We're going to be turning around and headed back. Everybody on the plane would be like, hey, no problem. I get it. I, I can't exist without my phone. I mean, we have to have our phones. We, we, we love our phones, and we can't seem to make it without it. You ever try to take your phone from your kid? You ever try to do that one before? Oh, my gosh. They're like, yeah! <laughs> They're freaking out. You're like, hey, you're 15. Come on. Man, it's just we, we just have to have that phone. Well, well today I, I want to talk to you about, as followers of Jesus, there, there's something that we all desperately need, and, and we cannot live without it, yet so many of us that are followers of Jesus live our lives without it. And we sense something is missing, but, but we can't quite put our finger on, on, on what it is. It's like I'm a follower of Jesus, but there, there's something that's missing in my life. Of course, I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. And that's what this series is about that we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks. And how the Holy Spirit is the antivirus to being a church zombie. And when you live without the Holy Spirit, you're in danger of becoming a church zombie. And here's how I described a church zombie if you weren't here last week. You're, you're, a, you're a Christ follower. You, you've given your life to Jesus and you found new life in Christ and you're alive, but you're not fully alive. Like you were on fire for him at one point and you just kind of been lulled to sleep. You know you're a church zombie when you, you just sense no, no real victory, like no, no power in your life. You're like, I'm a follower of Jesus, but we sing this song about, about the Holy Spirit. We sing that song, and you see people all around you, and they're, they're raising their hands, and we're reading from Romans chapter 8, and, and people are just like shouting, and you're standing there, and you're like, I'm a follower of Jesus. Why do I not have the excitement they have? Well, I would tell you this, that you could be in danger of being a church zombie, being alive but not being fully alive, and the Holy Spirit is the antivirus to that that we're going to be talking about for the next couple of weeks. I mean, most of us, we, we couldn't imagine living without our cell phone, right? I mean, really, honestly, I mean, we, we make a joke about it, but it's, it really is a necessity in today's culture. I mean, it's like having a mini-computer in your hand. I mean, my, my, use mine all the time. It's got my contacts on it. It's got my to-do list on it. It's got reminders on it. it it's got my calendar, and, and everything I need is right there in the palm of my hand. I, I love that, and I recognize I really, really need this. And so I know when I don't have it with me because I, I need it. But what I wonder is how many of us who are followers of Jesus recognize just how much more we need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives every single day. 
But how many of us, as followers of Jesus, can go like a day, a week, or even longer without even recognizing that God is with me? As we talked about that last week, that the Holy Spirit is God in me. I have God with me. I have the Holy Spirit with me. I can tap into him at any time. But how many of us will go a day, a week, or, or longer and never tap into that power or recognize that he is with me? And Here's the thing. Even Jesus needed the Holy Spirit. And we, we see this in what I, I think is going to be our key verse over the next few weeks This is where this series is birthed from. This scripture has been on my mind for probably the last three plus years, and I've been looking for the opportunity to do a series around this because I I really think that that this verse, and if we can open it up, is really going to help us to understand who the Holy Spirit is because there's so much confusion on who the Holy Spirit is. And we know that we kind of get God the Father and we get God the Son, but who's the Holy Spirit? And there's a lot of misteachings on who the Holy Spirit is and what he can do in our lives and what he's supposed to be doing. How do you even recognize when he's with you? And so I want to spend the next few weeks for us to hopefully understand that. What I hope you will do, I I want to ask you to commit to every week of this series. I think this is the most important series that we are doing in this church uh, this year. Hands down, the most important series. Because if you can grab a hold of the Holy Spirit in your life, it will radically alter everything in your life. Can I get an amen from the spirit-filled believers? So Isaiah is a prophet in the Old Testament. This is before Jesus has come, and he gives this prophecy about the coming Messiah. About He's prophesying that Jesus is going to come, and in Isaiah eleven two, 2, he says this, and the Spirit of the Lord, and that's the Holy Spirit that Isaiah is talking about, the Holy Spirit is going to rest on him, that's being Jesus, and let's say this together, the Spirit of of wisdom and understanding. Okay, that's what we're going to talk about today. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. And then he says the spirit of counsel and might, which we're going to talk about next week. And then we're going to finish the series by talking about the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. In, in other words, the Holy Spirit is the antivirus to the, to the church zombie. And so what Isaiah is telling us that this is what the antivirus contains. Who is the Holy Spirit? What does he offer? It's all right here in Isaiah 11:2. It's wisdom and understanding, counsel and might, and knowledge and the fear of the Lord. That's what the Holy Spirit offers to us and he gives to those who are followers of Jesus. So for the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at this and talking about the Holy Spirit being this antivirus. So today, what I want to focus on is wisdom and understanding. How many of you could use some, some wisdom and some understanding in an area of your life? I mean, where you're just like a little bit confused, right? Well, this is what the Holy Spirit offers us, a little wisdom, a little understanding. So let's go to Mark 6, okay? Mark 6, the disciples needed some wisdom. They needed some understanding. I mean, they're trying to feed 15,000 people. And we read this in Mark 6, 36. They say this, send the crowds away. Send the crowds away so they can go to the nearby farms and villages and they can buy something to eat. Now, this makes sense to me because this is, you got 15,000 hungry people. This is like filling up the BOK Center to get a visual of that. Jesus is speaking at the BOK Center. They ain't got nothing to eat. 
and, it, and it's up to them. They're in a very remote area. There's no QT kitchen anywhere nearby. Jesus is, I, well, I want to say rambling, but that would be terrible because Jesus doesn't ramble. Preachers ramble, but Jesus doesn't. And so Jesus, so he's talking, and he's talking all day. And, I, and, the, and the picture here that you get is the disciples are standing back, and they're seeing Jesus talking, and they're like, Whoa, man, he did. come on, come on. Somebody needs to step up and tell him to cut it off because these people, it's getting late in the day. Peter, you going to step up? Someone needs to tell him to wrap it up. Peter, why don't you get up there on the keyboard? Start playing just as I am, okay? Because that shuts every preacher down. Come on, get on up there. Because you know that's true, right? You hear the keyboard, you're like, finally. Oh, goodness, he is going to finally shut it down. I was waiting for that keyboard. You do it every week. You just wait. You know. You know I'm not done talking. You know, why they, you know why they play the keyboard at the end? So I will shut up. That's why they do it every week. They're like, he ain't going to shut up. Get on up there, stand, and play something. So he'll close this thing down. But so, they, I mean, that's how they're, they're feeling here. And, and, and they, they're just overwhelmed. And I think in this picture of the disciples, we see a couple of things. When, when you're faced with a problem and, and, and you need wisdom, we take one of two approaches. Okay. Here's the two approaches that I, that I think we take, okay? We pray like it all depends on God, or we work like it all depends on us. There, there's, two, there's two approaches that we take. We either do one or the other, usually. We, we pray like it all depends on God, or, or, or we just work like it all depends on us. And, and what I want to submit to you is that I, I don't think it's either or, I think it's but and, okay? It's, it's both of these together. God, God works miracles in partnership with us. And, and you see this throughout Scripture. Noah, God said to Noah, I'm going to save you from the flood. But what did Noah have to do? He had to build an ark. It, you, you move ahead in Scripture, you see that David, David's going to kill Goliath. God says, I'm gonna, you're going to kill that giant right there. But what did David have to do? David had to go pick up five stones, and David had to get out there on that field if he was going to kill that giant. When the children of Israel were entering the promised land, Joshua had this promise from God, you are going to enter the promised land, and he gave them this promise that the walls of Jericho were going to fall. But guess what they had to do? They had to get up, and they had to go march around those walls. Peter was going to walk on water. God's calling him out. You can walk on water, Peter, but guess what he had to do? He had to get out of the boat. God always works in partnership with us. That's, that's how he does miracles. And so I got something I want you to write down. This is not my saying. This is an old saying, and we'll put this up here, and I'd like for you to write this down. Pray like it all depends on God and work like it all depends on you. This is a saying that's been around for over 1,500 years. St. Augustine is credited with it. Martin Luther is credited with it. John Wesley is credited with saying this. I want us to say this together because it's both of these things working together. Okay, let's say this together. Pray like it all depends on God and work like it all depends on you. See, many times we go to work on our problem without prayer. We, we go to work on it w without God. We, we try, to, try to figure it out on our own. Uh, if there's a, a curse to mankind, I, I think it's do-it-yourself stores, okay? The, I don't get the do-it-yourself places because, that, I mean, before that, everything was great because I didn't have to do it myself. And it's usually on the man to do it yourself. 
And if you're married, you know what that's like because you want to call somebody. Anybody, maybe, maybe you can fix it yourself. I can't fix anything myself. And, thank you, Pastor Buddy. Can I get an amen from any of the other brothers in the house? All right, how about the men that can fix stuff? You are dismissed. Because I can't fix nothing, and I don't need you coming up after service going, I can fix that, man. I, can, I can't believe you can't fix that, okay? I can't fix anything, and it's the curse of me because Laura will be like, well, don't call that guy because it's going to be really, really expensive. You can do that yourself. And she's like, let's just go down to the do-it-yourself store. And so we just recently, we, just, we went on our date. I'm like, oh, this is fun. And so we went on our date because all of the screens in the front of our house all have, are broken and have holes in them. Can anybody feel my pain on that one? And, and so I fixed them. I took them off and I put them in the back shed. And it looks great. <laughs> you can't, you see right through those windows. It looks beautiful. But that's not good enough for her. So she's like, you know, we need to go and we need to check this out. And so we go to this place. Uh, we, we go to Lowe's. Uh, which it's called Lowe's because it's, it, that's how your self-esteem feels like when you're in there, very, very low. And so I'm in there, and we go to the, the Laura's like, hey, I'm going to go get some flowers. You go get the screen stuff. And so I go over to the screen department, and I'm thinking, oh, yeah, this will be easy. I'll just grab one. That, I'm sure it's just a screen material. I'll grab that, and then I'll be on my way. And I stood there, holy smokes, there's like 14 different types of screens. There's three tools. I didn't even know you needed a tool for it. And it has two different ends on it that I don't know what they're supposed to be doing. And then it needs this wire thing around. And they got three different sizes on the wires. So you know what I did? Acted like I knew what I was doing. Because the guy comes over and he's like, can I help you? And I go, no. So then Laura's coming. I see her coming. And I'm like, just pick one. Just pick one and go with it. I was like, I'm going with this one. Got it. We're good. So I go home. Start on the project, it's still working on the project. It's not, I'm totally frustrated with this project because I can't figure it out. This is how so many followers of Jesus, not people who aren't followers of Jesus, people who are followers of Jesus, this is how they operate, apart from the Holy Spirit. I, I'm going to figure it out on my own. I, I'm going to figure out the answer. I'm gonna, I, you know what I'm going to do? And if I don't know, I'm just going to fake it. And what happens is you end up very, very frustrated because we aren't supposed to operate that way. The, the Holy Spirit wants to give you wisdom and understanding, but you got to ask for it. You got to tap into that. And this is what I, I love in this picture of the disciples. When you look at the disciples, they, they didn't try to figure it out on their own. This is what's so great. They went to Jesus. That's the right thing to do. The problem was, is their response was flawed. Their, their response to Jesus was this send the crowds away. That, that was their answer because they, they didn't see themselves as playing a part in the miracle. And that's where some of us as followers of Jesus find ourselves on the opposite end. We don't see ourselves as a part of the miracle. I mean, how often have you prayed something like that? How often have I prayed something just like the disciples? God, just send the problem away. You, you fix it. Because I, I need you to do that. 
Now, now let me clarify something here. We are 100% dependent on God for an answer. Okay? I want to be really clear on that. 100% dependent on our God to do something. But guess what? God doesn't want us to be independent. He wants us to be interdependent. He wants us to work in relationship with him to bring about a miracle. This is how God does it. This is how he has always done it. Now, sometimes there are those moments where something supernatural takes place. God doesn't even use us. It's completely unexplainable. All you did was pray, and you did absolutely nothing, and a miracle from heaven happened. Absolutely that happens. Incredible things like that happen out of nowhere. I mean, you're, you're praying, and out of nowhere, a check shows up in the mail. You ever had that happen? I mean, just out of nowhere. I mean, you, you, you're praying, and, and this unexplained healing takes place. I've seen people who were on their deathbed, and doctors were done, and all they had, they had nothing left, and, and God stepped in and gave them a miracle. I've seen people who were suffering extreme addiction come to an altar or pray and instantaneously be delivered from that addiction. But God doesn't always work that way. Honestly, that's probably the rare times that God does things. Most of the time, he likes to work in partnership with us. He wants us to be a part of our own miracle and the miracle of others. So I, I want you to write this down, okay? When I pray, there's a part I play. When I pray, there's a part I play. In other, in other words, we've got to pray, and then we've got to step out in obedience. We pray, and then we step out in faith and obedience. Jesus did this. Jesus said to them, when they came to him, Jesus said, what? You, you feed them. Why don't you feed them? And, and then they, they're saying, with what? And he's like, well, go and look. Okay? I don't know if that's exactly how he said it. I think he probably said it in Aramaic, but something to that effect He's like, you go, you go figure it out. And so they, they come back, and they're like, dude, all we found was a Happy Meal. That's all we got. We got some chicken nuggets and some fries. And they, Good luck. And so they hand this. They, they played a part. They're playing a part in the miracle. Look at verse 39. Then Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. And so they sat down in groups of 50 or 100. And most of the time, we, we hear this verse, and we just kind of just keep going, because we're like, yeah, yeah, okay, whatever, he set them in groups, blah, 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 what's, what's next? Let's get to the miracle, let's get to the miracle. Don't, this, is, this is a critical part of the miracle. This is a critical part. If you don't pay attention to anything else I say today, you need to, you need to lock in to what I'm about to tell you, because this is where a lot of misunderstanding about the Holy Spirit takes place. Because here's the, we, we serve a God who brings order to chaos, the Holy Spirit brings order to chaos. And we see that demonstrated here, right here in this passage. You're talking about trying to feed 15,000 people with a couple of breadsticks and, and, and a couple of fish sticks and a massive amount of humanity. This is going to be mass chaos if you don't organize it. And so Jesus steps in and he brings order to the chaos. I really think one of the reasons why we leave the Holy Spirit out of our lives so much is because I think we have a misunderstanding of who the Holy Spirit is. 
We have reduced the Holy Spirit to goosebumps, emotions, and strange manifestations. That's pretty much who the Holy Spirit has become. Oh, I know the Holy Spirit shows up because I, woo, woo, look at, look, at those, look at those goosebumps, woo. There he is right there. He's hanging out. Among, there he is. See, lots of him right there. Or, or man, whoo, I just was so overwhelmed I started weeping. There's the Holy Spirit. I'm not, I don't have the Holy Spirit until I'm, until I'm weeping, until I get to that emotional state. I got to work it up to an emotional frenzy. And there's times that people will be like, you guys need to, when you guys do the music, you just need to keep it going and get that emotional frenzy going. No. Sometimes we're like, well, it's just got to be that, got to see something crazy happen. Just got to see something just like, what was, what was that? All of those things are very true. All of those things are evidence of the Holy Spirit. All of them. There's times in my life where I cannot explain it, but the power of the Holy Spirit over, overcomes me and I, and I get goosebumps. I'm just, whew. There are moments, I shared about this last week, that I, I can't explain why I'm running through a church parking lot in the rain, screaming like a crazy man. If you don't know what that is, you have to go back and listen to last week's, it's on our podcast. I, I can't explain that, except that the Holy Spirit just over, over, overwhelmed me. There are things I've seen in church and outside of church, healings and other crazy things take place. Listen, I have stood in, in an environment one time where this guy was doing the slain in the spirit stuff, and, every, and I was like, I, I just, okay, I'm just going to step off and talk about this real quick. So I, I was real skeptical of being slain in the spirit, okay, because I wasn't, I wasn't raised that way. I was raised very, very conservative, and, and that, that was just that's what the crazy people did over the mass. It's crazy. And then I married a wife who said, I was slain in the spirit when I was a kid. I'm like, okay, whatever. And, great. And she's like, you can't deny that now, can you? Because no, you can't. No, you can't. So she's told me her, her experience. And, and so I was at a conference, and, and this minister was there, and he asked everybody to come forward, the ministers. And so all the ministers came forward, and, and he's walking down the line. He's over on this side of the stage. And, and as, as he's walking, he's doing what you've seen on TV. You know what I'm talking about, where the guy's going, yes, like that. Okay, you know what I'm talking about? Or it's just like, okay, whatever. And, and, and everybody's like, whoa, and they're falling back. And people are starting to fall like dominoes. I'm on the other side. I'm way over here. And so here's what I said. All right. I'm going to close my eyes, and if this is real, I'll know it. I won't know when he's by me, but I'm going to close my eyes, and God, if this is real, then I'm, I'm ready. I just knock me down, baby. I'm ready to go. And, and so I, I hear it going on, I hear it going on, and then all of a sudden, I don't know how to explain this, but an energy and a weird sensation just woof, right around me, and all I did was went whoo, like this. And I opened my eyes, and everybody was down except me and one other guy. And I'm like, come on! I mean, I get this, I was ready! But my point on that is, I can't, I can't explain that. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what that all is, but I don't deny that. But we can't reduce the Holy Spirit to only that, okay? The, the Holy Spirit is not just emotion and an energy force. 
but that's what we've reduced him to. Okay, I'm, emotional experience or some kind of energy force is going to hit me. No, it, the Holy Spirit is a person. Okay, not some crazy energy, not some emotional goosebumps. The Holy Spirit is a person, the third person of the Trinity. Talked about that last week. If you don't know what the Trinity is, go back and listen to that. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And what Isaiah tells us in his passage in Isaiah 11.2, just write that down. We won't have it on the screen for you. Isaiah 11.2, he, he tells us that the Holy Spirit is, is the source of wisdom. So if you need wisdom, the source is, is the Holy Spirit. And, and in Isaiah's translation of the word wisdom, that wit, word wisdom means wits, to have your wits about you. You ever had a, a moment in your life where you just were at your wit's end? You, you know that saying, man, I'm just at my wit's end. This is chaos. This is ridiculous. I mean, it's just chaos in your home, chaos in your finances. You're like, man, I'm just at my wit's end. You think about work tomorrow? Tomorrow, some of you, you're just dreading the workplace tomorrow. Because you're just at your wit's end at what's taking place in the workplace. I do not know how to fix it. It is just chaotic. Well, what Isaiah says is, guess what? The Holy Spirit can actually help you get your wits about you. He, he can give you supernatural wisdom. Many times, though, what, what God asks us to do, it just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. This is what, look at the disciples. 15,000 hungry people, five loaves, two fish. He goes, set them in groups. This is before the miracle. <laughs> you got five loaves, you got two fish, we're going to take 15,000 people, go ahead and put them, set them down in groups. This makes no sense. Honestly, you got to be, be straight. Sounds ridiculous. Turn to the person next to you and say, man, that just sounds ridiculous. It sounds ridiculous because it is. But this is what God told him to do. And, and the disciples, they didn't really understand, but they did it anyway. They didn't know what to do, but they submitted to the authority of Jesus. Here's the thing. The disciples, I think, show us a very, very practical way to get wisdom. Very practical way. Here's how you get wisdom. They went to Jesus. He told them what to do. They submitted to his authority and they did it, okay? In, in other words, you pray, and then you step out and you walk in obedience, no matter how ridiculous it looks. No matter what anyone says, you, you do what he tells you to do. Let me give you just a practical example of this. Laura and I were going on vacation to see our kids, two of our boys and our grandchildren live in Los Angeles, and uh, about a month ago, we were going to go out and see them, and like anyone else, we're trying to scrape together the money to, to go, and we don't have the money to get out there, and we're scraping, and we're clawing and scraping and clawing, and we, so we began to pray, God, help us. You know, I believe you want us to go see our children. I believe you want us to pour into our grandchildren, and, and we need to be together as a family, and <clears throat> excuse me, and so we began to pray about that, and out of nowhere, God brought this speaking engagement. That, that I never saw coming, and somebody asked me to come and speak. Here's how crazy God is. He asked me to go speak to a group of singles. 
I have been single like two weeks of my adult life. I don't know what it's like to be single. I've never been single. I lived with my parents and I lived with my wife. That's my life. But God's like, you're going to go speak to singles. Okay. What's, what's amazing is when you go and speak, many times I don't ever ask. I don't have a speaking fee. I just don't do it that way. What, if somebody wants to bless me, they can bless me. If they don't, they don't. I never even ask for it. But a lot of times they'll give you an honorarium. And so they, at the end of the speaking engagement, um, the lady came up and she said, hey, we just appreciate what you did. And she handed me an envelope. And, and I knew right in that moment that I could see that it was paid to the order of. And I knew this is, this is a miracle. I've been, I've been praying for this miracle I've been, I've been waiting on. Except God had another plan. So this lady comes up to me. She says, would you, would you pray for me, Pastor? Because I'm, I'm a single mom. My husband left and he's not been paying any of his child support and and I'm trying to follow Jesus and 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 um, I'm, I'm working a couple of extra jobs and I and I just recently started tithing because I felt like I, I was even even though I couldn't pay my bills even though my husband had left me I know I'm a follower of Jesus and I and God I just knew I needed to step out in faith and do that but but honestly pastor I my, my I'm struggling meeting all my obligations and I just don't know what to do and we would you, would you pray for me? And dang it, if God didn't in that moment say, give her the check. And so she's continuing to talk, but I don't hear a word she's saying. Because God's saying, give her the check. I don't know how much is in this check. I figure it's like 50 bucks or something like that. And I'm like, and so I'm wrestling with God. But God, you said to do, I needed to go on vacation, this and, you, and this was the money for that. And he said, I know, it doesn't make sense. But this is what I'm telling you to do. Are you going to be obedient? And so I, I start praying for this lady. And all the time I'm praying, all I, all I hear is God saying, give her the check, give her the check, give her the check. And I get done praying with her. And I can't just give her the check because I know my name's on it. I know I'm going to have to go home, cash the check, and, and then give her that money anonymously. And not only that, but I'm going to have to go home and explain to Grandma uh, why she's not going to get to go see her grandkids. And this miracle we've been praying for, we're actually going to take that money and we're going to give it to somebody else. So I go home and I open up the check whole lot more than I ever thought it would be. It was enough for us to go on our vacation. It was the answer to prayer. But God said, you be obedient. You give it to that mom. So Laura and I prayed and I said, all right, this is what we're going to do. And so I cashed it, took the money and put it in an envelope, gave it to that organization that I spoke for and said just give this to that mom anonymously and just kind of let that go if God didn't in his crazy math in the next two weeks bring every dime of that back in all sorts of different ways to the point when we came back from vacation we had more money in the bank than before we went on vacation but you gotta be willing to do something that doesn't make sense. That's what you have to do with the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit is at times, whether it's your marriage or your finances or your health or that addiction or that, that ugly sin that you have inside of you, and he's saying, this is what I want you to do. Go to him in prayer, what do you want me to do? And whatever craziness he asks you to do, you step out in faith and you do that and he 
meet you right there. Pray like it all depends on God. And work like it all depends on you. Would you bow your heads? In this moment, God, we ask your spirit to speak to people across this auditorium. If you're a follower of Jesus today, maybe there's an area of your life or maybe your whole life where you realize and recognize I am not fully submitted to the Holy Spirit. I am trying to do it my way. But today I recognize I need power. I need victory. I need His presence. I need to be made fully alive. In the same way that you came to faith in Jesus Christ for salvation, it's the same way that you receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit. You ask, God, fill me with your Spirit. I fully surrender to you. If that's you today, I won't embarrass you. I just want to know how to pray for you. Is anybody like that today? Raise your hand. If that's you, anybody like that? Okay, so we're going to need to pray that. Anybody else? Raise your hand. Anybody else like that? I need the Holy Spirit to fill me today. Keep your hand up. Keep your hand up to heaven right now and just pray as I pray. God, right now, I thank you that I am saved by your son, Jesus Christ. I thank you that my sins are forgiven. But today I recognize I am not fully submitted to you. And so today I surrender and give every part of me, every part of me to your Holy Spirit. Come and fill me with your presence and walk with me every day. May I never walk a day again without you. Fill me with wisdom. Fill me with your understanding. But fill me with your spirit today in Jesus' name. If you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to invite you into a relationship with Him. Jesus said, if we will put our faith in Him, confess our sins, not only will our sins be forgiven, but we can have the power of the Holy Spirit in us. You will get the gift of the Holy Spirit in you. Your prayer is like this, Father, I know I'm a sinner. I'm far from you. Or maybe you once made a commitment to follow Jesus, but maybe today you say, I need to come back to Him. I've been far from God for a long time, and I need to rededicate my life to Him. Make this your prayer. I'm a sinner. Forgive me, God, for wandering. Forgive me for living without you. Thank you for your Son, Jesus. I believe He is the Son of God, died, risen again. Come into my life and give me the Holy Spirit. And God, I admit today, I don't understand how all that works, but I'm choosing to follow you made that your prayer today. Would you raise your hand just so I know who you are? Thank you. Thank you. Pray. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Hallelujah. God, thank you for these people today and for the gift of your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Let's give God a hand clap for life transformation today.